The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod, and we're coming to you from the Warner Center in Woodland Hills, California. This is the home for Autism Live. It is also the home for the Center for Autism and Related Disorders. I'm so excited to be here with you on this Monday morning. And man, we got a big show. It's just like bursting at the seams. So we got to get this puppy on the road because uh, we're. I know we're going to get to the end and have, not have enough time. So uh, Traven's going to show you a bunch of the different ways that you can participate during this hour. And while he's doing that, I want to remind you that our homepage is autism-live.com. There it is on the screen. And you can go there. Now, you can watch us other places and you can ask questions other places, but it's a great place to watch and ask questions because it's completely anonymous and it's completely free and you can do all kinds of things and go through our whole library. So, um, really excited that you guys are here because, as I said, it's a it's a big big show. Uh, we uh, I will I will tell you that uh, from the jump here, I like to remind you on Mondays that we have some experts for you here today. We, experts, right? Um, but I'm not one of them. I'm an autism mom. My son was diagnosed at the age of two and a half and he's now almost 17 and amazing and wonderful. You know, I always brag on him. Um, so I don't need to do that anymore, except, you know, I like it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, my role here, I always want to be like the old-fashioned switchboard operator for you, you know, the kind in the old movies, black and white movies, where they'd have to pull up the cord and plug it into something. That's me. You call, and I want to take a, a pull a cord for you and plug you into the thing that you need. And we talk to the larger autism community here. That means, of course, individuals who are on the autism spectrum themselves, but then it also includes all the people who love them, all the people who care for them, whether that's a parent, uh, you know, uh, a loved uh, one, like a significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever, um, siblings, aunts, uncles, therapists, practitioners, all of those people who care about those individuals with autism, we're here to help all of you because we're not going to agree on everything. We can't. This is a big, beautiful spectrum of people. We all have different needs and, um, and are starting in different places, have access to different resources, right? We're not going to agree on really a lot. Let's be honest. But the thing we will agree on is that we care about individuals who are on the autism spectrum. We want to help them to get the resources that are helpful to them for the things that they care about right? Not just what we care about, but what they care about, and to support them in all the things that they want to be able to do with dignity and employment. Let's try that on for size, right? That's, that's the shining hill that we all, that we live on and we want the rest of the world to live on. So 
Our mission here, mission number one, is information and inspiration. That's what we're about here. And if you're not seeing your story told here, please write to us. Let's get you on the show. Let's make that happen, all right? Um, so we like to start off Mondays with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey nani nani are those experts talking about? I'm sitting on my vest. Um, what are they talking about? Why do we need to care? What does this mean to me? Why are you bothering me with these letters, right? Um, and we, you know, we try to put new ones in and we cycle back over really important ones because we get new viewers and because you can't just hear it once. You really don't get it on the first time and that's normal. Don't beat yourself up if you're not getting it. You will. You will. I was uh, doing a talk the other day and um, there was a mom who was there who watches the show and she said, you know, you explained it on the show and you said, it's okay if you don't get it the first time. And she said, I think I just got it just now. And I was like, see, see, it happens. I'm wrecking the set now. Uh, I'm excited. So today's term, this is why I'm excited because this, this is the term, right? A-B-A. Uh, you hear people say it and I love it when somebody has the strength and the courage and the bravery to say, what is that? So here's, we're going to talk about it today. So ABA stands for, go ahead and go to our actual definition. ABA is applied behavior analysis. Now I want people to notice, first of all, here's, you know, last week we gave you a clue that when you're in an IEP meeting and you're talking about FAPE and you say appropriate a bunch of times, here's another one that signals to people that you know what you're talking about. It's applied behavior analysis. If you say applied behavioral analysis, people know you're new. <laughs> so if you want to look like you know what you're saying, say applied behavior analysis. ABA is the application of the principles of learning and motivation from behavior analysis. Well, look, look at that perfect little cir circle. Applied behavior analysis is the principles of learning of behavior analysis. Thank you. We still don't know what it is. It employs procedures and technology derived from scientifically demonstrated principles of behavior okay, to increase socially significant behaviors and decrease unwanted or inappropriate behaviors. Now, if you've been watching the show, you go, okay, but if you're new, the first time I read that, I, I, I was like, that is the most useless definition under the sun, right? Because I still don't know what it means, what it looks like, what we're talking about. I don't know whether it's fish or fowl. So let's take a look at our next, uh, our working definition. Okay, so ABA is a proven method of increasing or teaching desired behavior and reducing unwanted behavior. So this is what it is all the time. And, and we hear Dr. Grampichet saying this to all the time. It's like, well, you know, you have this individual and they're a whole person here. And there are some things that they don't know how to do. Hey, that's all of us, right? Um, but it's getting in their way. It's getting in the way of the things because they don't know how to do some things. And then there are some things that they're doing that are also getting in the way and we want to reduce those. So we want to increase learning and we want to decrease the things that are preventing the learning, right? And we want to we get these things uh, into a place where they're working for us, not against us. And ABA is a teaching technique that helps you to do that. It will teach you how to do the behaviors and the things that you need to do to be successful at the things that you want to do. And it will help you to, to be able to stop the behaviors that are not helping you to be able to do what you want to do. By the way, ABA was not invented
invented for individuals on the autism spectrum. ABA was a science that was created a long time ago, right? And then it just so happened that in the 80s, somebody, Dr. Ivar, Ivar Lovas, decided I'm going to try the principles of ABA working first with older kids on the autism spectrum. And then eventually he said, I'm going to do this with young kids. What if I did this with three to five-year-olds? And he saw that it was really wildly successful. And the field of ABA, still, there is still a whole big, huge field of ABA that deals with behavior in a business. How can a business be more successful? We, we see Olympic athletes who use the principles of ABA and have an ABA coach to help them to increase the behaviors that they want to increase and decrease the behaviors that they want to create, uh, decrease, excuse me. So we see them using this in senior citizen homes to increase behaviors and decrease behaviors. Um, the applications are endless, endless. It's where you want to teach people to do something and, and have them be able to do it at a high level um, and feel reinforced by it. When uh, you know, uh, I, I was just doing a talk the other day and people were talking about my son and, you know, what could he do and what couldn't he do? And I said, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that I, my son doesn't, I, I, my son doesn't qualify for anything close to a disability anymore. Um, but not only that, I, I believe that ABA prepared him to lead his best life, not only for him, but for those of us around him. It, he takes things in stride all the time because the principles of ABA ta taught him that um, that's not going to help if I freak out about that. That is not going to help me to get what I want to get done. So, you know, here's the technique that I'm going to use to not freak out about that. And then he will use that on me. He will ABA me. <laughs> He'll be like, Mom, I want you to think about what's happening right now. I understand that you're upset, right? But on a scale of 1 to 10. Is that a three or a 10, mom? Gets me to, and then talks me off the ledge and says it's a three, so now let's deal with the three. That's such an ABA thing. Um, so anyway, uh, ABA is also the gold standard of treatment for autism. Even though it's used for businesses that have nothing to do with autism, it is considered the gold standard of treatment for autism. It is what insurance will pay for. That should tell you something because for decades, insurance wouldn't cover ABA because legally insurance does not have to pay for something that's experimental uh, or that may or may not be effective, right? So the fact that insurance is paying for ABA should tell you a lot, a lot. Um, we, we've got experts who are going to talk to us about ABA. We're over time here, so I want to hurry through. We have a question of the day. And I really hope that you guys will write in this question of the day because there are people who don't still don't know about ABA. So our question is, how has ABA helped you or your child? I will tell you that ABA has helped me personally. I have learned things um, as a result of ABA that have upped my game. But what it did for my child is absolutely miraculous. Um, you know, the person who diagnosed my son basically felt that you know, I should just enjoy my son and put no expectation on him ever again. That was a developmental pediatrician. Um, and fortunately, I didn't listen to her. And fortunately, I got really good ABA. And my child is a junior in a college prep high school getting ready to apply for colleges with no IEP. Thank you very much.
right? That's what ABA did for me. But what did it do for you or for your child? Uh, write in and tell us because there are people who need to hear that from more than just me. I need people to understand that I'm not, uh, my family and my son were not anomalies. When you do the full prescription with ABA and follow this technique, whoo, great things happen. Progress gets made. Okay, um, we always have a topic of the week and our topic this week, are you ready? Bum, ba, da, bum. myths about ABA, because there's a lot of bad information out about ABA. And our guests today are going to help to put some of that into the right niche for you. Um, first up, we have the fabulous Bonnie Yates, special education attorney. And then after Bonnie, and we're going to do a shortened version with Bonnie, then we have the amazing Justin Leaf from the Autism Partnership Foundation. He is the director of research. Uh, he is an expert and an amazing expert, and he's going to be here talking with us. I, he's going to talk about progressive ABA, first of all, a term that I have not uh, defined before. We're going to get new jargon today. Woohoo! Right? Um, but he's also going to be talking with us about meaningful outcomes, which um, is a great way of saying, you know, like, how can we get to the most progress, right? Which we talk about here all the time. And, and it has to be meaningful to the individual, right? Um, if somebody's teaching somebody something that is not meaningful to them, let's stop that. Let's work on things that are meaningful. Uh, and he's also going to talk about social skills, so we always love to talk about that. Let's be excited. And he's got an event coming up, and he's got some speakers. One of them is one of my most favorite people on the face of the planet, so we're going to tell you all about that. Uh, coming up after these messages, but uh, first this and then Bonnie Yates. Stick with us. Oh, welcome back, you guys. We're so excited. And I, of course, did not do my job and make sure that Bonnie's thing had a mic, Traven. Uh, but that's okay. We're, we're doing this on the fly here. I've got Bonnie Yates, who is on the call with us. She's a special education attorney um, and an amazing woman, an amazing resource. And she is going to talk to you uh, f on the phone uh, because she is on the streets of New York City right now. So Bonnie is there. Welcome, Bonnie. Hello, Shannon. We, happy Thursday. Happy, uh, happy Monday, actually. And um, okay. people... Monday. <laughs> and people, you know, do interviews with the man on the street, right? Well, we have the, the lawyer on the street right now. Yeah, you have, you have the, the lawyer on the street. I wasn't sure if we were going to disclose that, but... but no, we're disclosing that, and we're also <laughs> disclosing that I'm walking around a large cemetery because it's somewhere Ooh. that you can go that it's quiet. It is quiet. What so is, that we can hear. What a smart anyway. grandma, because grand grandbaby is taking a nap, and so, yes. so she's multitasking like a crazy person. But, Bonnie, tell us about the law firm that you want us to know about, and, and then tell us our disclaimer before we jump into questions. Uh, yeah, we're going to do questions today. Okay, the law firm is Toner Law Offices. We're based in San Jose. We have offices in El Segundo, California, and Irvine, California. If you're in the state of California, give us a call. We're happy to do a consultation with you. If you're outside of California, we recommend you to the Council of Parent Advocates and Attorneys, COPAA.net, because if you need a lawyer, and you probably do if you have a specific question, uh, you need to get a lawyer in your state. Uh, when we answer questions on the air, 
All right. Well, so now we're going to uh, go into the next question, which uh, they write in and say that they have a 14-year-old, excuse me, with ASD and ADHD. They're in a new school district uh, because they moved. Um, and this 14-year-old previously was only getting general education setting, but the new school says they don't believe in inclusion. And they want to know, how do I fight this? Well, you know, it's an interesting comment, and it makes me want to guess that these people are in a small community that's, you know, far off the beltway, which, if that's true, there's nothing wrong with that, but it, they are incorrect about, about what the law requires. Uh, IDEA, I-D-E-A, was reauthorized last in 2004, and it's very clear if you read the statute, and I'm happy to send some language, that the preference is always going to be for the least restrictive environment, whatever that is, whatever the student can handle and be able to make meaningful progress from year to year. The presumption is that a kindergartner is going to go to general ed, and if he needs supports and services to be successful there, the district has to provide them. And the school district is the one that's sort of got the burden and the responsibility of establishing why that student can't be successful at general ed. So, you know, if you're going to take federal money, you can't say we don't do inclusion because you're, you're going to end up in a lot of trouble and you're going to lose your federal funds because that is just not the law. Yeah, you know, one of the things we talk about a lot on the show, though, Bonnie, is that, and, and we're seeing this uh, play out in the political field right now, um, because a lot of the candidates are for inclusion. Uh, but one of the things that I've seen and I've heard people talking about is that inclusion, we all know that if you have good inclusion, it, it can be, the for most people, not all, a really great thing. It just seems like there's a lot of places I mean, for them to say we don't believe in inclusion, what I hear is you don't know how to do inclusion. That they've got some uh, antiquated ideas. That's one of the things I hear. Yeah, well. Not the only thing I hear. I hear them saying, like, hey, parent, you sit down in your seat and put your hand down. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, but. The, 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 the law is very clear. This is a mandatory duty on the part of the school district. They don't have to believe in it, they just have to do it right. I like that. I don't care what they think. <laughs> we don't care what they believe. We're not here to hear their beliefs. They got to do it because it's the law. Okay, should I go on to the next question then? Please. Okay, so the next question is My son is 15 and goes to a great school. They have a policy, though, when they are showing a movie in class. They send home a notice to the parents, and basically it says, here is what the movie is. If you object to your child watching this, watching, watching this movie, sign this paper and send it back. Great, except my Aspie kid doesn't always remember to give me the paper, and if I don't get the paper, I don't know. I have asked that I have asked them in writing before to email me a copy of any important info. I guess they forget. My son saw a film I would have prevented him from seeing, and he had a meltdown. And she has that all in caps. Now the teach now the teacher is arguing he doesn't belong at this great school because of one meltdown, which was really their fault to begin with. How do I prevent this teacher from tanking my son's success at this school and ripping him from his friends and support structure? Well, first of all, he has stayed put. And so the district isn't going to be able to 
uh, without your consent. So that's the first important thing. Second important thing is I think you need to start talking to these people. You need to have an IEP meeting. You need to explain to them that this policy that they have is discriminating against him on the basis of his disability, and that's not fair to him, and that you want some kind of written accommodation about how the uh, notice is going to be handled, like they're going to have to give you more advance notice and last minute, and they're going to have to email it to you rather than put it in your son's backpack. And then the other thing I would say is there might need to be a goal added to the IEP to, to deal with some of the issues that your son is having um, about the film content. Uh, I didn't really articulate in my own mind what that goal would look like, but it, at a minimum, um, you want to do an accommodation. And I'm, I'm sort of obnoxious when I go to IEP meetings, so I say things like, you know, in my day, the idea that you would spend class time watching a movie was like something for an emergency if, like, some teacher at school died or something. The idea that we're just supposed to accept that you're filling up what are supposed to be instructional minutes with American movies, which are not exactly highbrow and they don't really teach you anything, they just entertain you, is, is, is ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous anyway. Yeah. You can sit at home and watch movies. You don't have to do it at school. Yeah. So... There's a lot yeah. of fodder here. But I want to back up to the first thing that you, you said. Gotta, I think you got to tell these people, hey, listen, this is not my problem to solve. This is your problem yeah. to solve. You created You're, it. You know, you cannot, you cannot change somebody's placement unless everybody agrees. Yeah. The, now, the, the law is very clear about that. Bonnie, the very first thing that you said is that he has stay put. But for the parent who doesn't, like, know quite, like, what do they do to make to trigger that? Well, you might have to file for due process or the district might just um, agree to accept your position. I think they're just messing with her and I think as soon as she starts talking back to them, they're going to back off. So I think she should say, I, I under, I've been talking to attorneys and I understand that I have a state foot and you can't change my child's placement unless I consent and you're discriminating against him because of his disability. Are you going to agree in writing to maintain his placement or do I need to file for due process and make a complaint with the state of California that you're not um, abiding by statehood? And I think they're going to back right down. Yeah. They're, they're banking on the fact that you don't know uh, what your rights are. Well, especially, you might have to rewind three or four times to get the exact verbiage that Bonnie just gave you, but it's powerful verbiage. If you say that and say that like that, they, I think she's right. They will absolutely back, because they will know that you have been talking to a lawyer and they will realize that they are completely up a tree on this. Yeah, so. and if, if, if you want, if it'll help, I can supply the verbiage. Well, we always love the verbiage. I'll send you an email. I'll send you an email later okay. today. The uh, main thing is there are ways to enforce your rights, but you got to know what your rights are to enforce them. I sent you, Shannon, I don't know if you got it. I or not. did. If you didn't, I can. No, I, I did. I sent you something for parents that's a, a big booklet on special education rights and responsibilities. There is no substitute for reading this stuff. When and you, we are going to attach it um, in the comments. Uh, on our Facebook, uh, so people, if you go to Autism Live, find this show, um, and uh, it, it, it's, it will be there in the comments, a link to get to what Bonnie sent to me.
it's pretty big. When you realize, you know, it's like me solving a tech problem on my computer. When you realize you can do this by yourself, yeah. and that this is designed for parents to represent themselves, and it, and it's the law is supposed to be something that you can understand and use to your child's benefit, it's very um, empowering. Yes, that's so, the same word I was so thinking. In town. Go look at that book. I will supply the verbiage for statehood. Thank We're gonna you. Talk about as we said, okay. I'm going to try to find out about the New York ABA lawsuit. I'm going to, I've now made contact with I'm, the New York special ed lawyer, one of the first. I'm going to send you the article and, about it. And so uh, that, that's all stuff for future shows. Okay. Well, we thank you for being with us, Bonnie. We're going to let you go back to being the fabulous grandmama that you are. And uh, I know he's too little to, to, to say anything yet, but what are you going to be known as, Grandma or Grant? Grandma. 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 His other grandma's Mimi. Okay. So it's, all very, it's all very clear. All right. I love it. All right. I love it. Thank you for being with us. Have a, have a good week, and we'll see you next week. Sounds good. All right. Have Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was the amazing Bonnie Yates on the phone while she was walking her grandchild. If that is not inspirational to you, that she can be that brilliant while she's walking her grandchild through a cemetery in New York City. Uh, the visual for me is incredible. Uh, We're going to take a break, and then when we come back, boy, I, I've, I've got, I'm serving up your next expert guest here. Justin Leaf is going to be with us uh, right after these messages. Stick with us. Hello, welcome back. Uh, I'm very excited because for the second time on the show, we had you on a year ago, yeah. and now you're back. I appreciate that. Thanks for having me back. Uh, we have Dr. Justin Leaf, who does not like to be called, he prefers to be called Justin, although right. he is Dr. Justin Leaf. Uh, so we just wanted to say that you have many, many credits. You're the co-director of research yep. and the director of training for the for Autism Partnership Foundation. Uh, you've got your doctorate degree in behavior, behavioral psychology. Uh, and you lead the research team at Autism, Autism Partner Foundership. You're going to have to tell us what that all is. Yep. But you do a lot of things. Uh, yeah, I keep busy. You I keep, do. I keep You're, busy. And, uh, and part of why we wanted for him to come is that you have an event that's coming up, uh, a very important event okay. that happens once a year. Tell us about the Autism Partnership Foundation 5th Annual Conference. Yeah, so we have a conference uh, every April that we put out in Seal Beach, or Los Alamos. Meet us, California, at this uh -huh. point, where we just bring leaders in the field of applied behavior analysis or autism and yeah. come speak for it's a single track conference. So it's just talk after talk. You don't have yeah. to decide where you're you're going. Yes. You're just there. Sometimes and that's just easier. I, I think it's right? easier. It's easier for me. Everybody's together. You yeah. know what you're doing. It's all good. And you've got some amazing people. Yeah, in your lineup. we've we've been very fortunate throughout yeah. the years <laughs> to get good people coming and speaking. Yeah. And and the and the conference is not just for behavior analysts. It's for teachers yeah. and parents, paraprofessionals, speech-language pathologists. It really captures and should be interesting for anyone who's interested in autism yes. or applied behavior analysis. Absolutely. So tell us about some of the, the speakers that well, you Well, one is someone who you, you absolutely love, one and I think how favorite, we got connected. One of my favorite people on the face is, of the uh, planet. Is Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. Uh, and many of our viewers are very familiar yes, with I think Dr. He's from, Tarbox. Um, he's amazing. Yeah. Uh, absolutely amazing I, gentleman, a great brain, and a good person. Uh, I was just going to say that, besides being uh, just an 
excellent behavior analyst and so uh, impactful for families with yeah. autism. He's just a really nice person. He really is. And so there's 85 million things he could come and talk about. But what is he particularly uh, going to talk I about? Now, I think he's going to be talking about ACT. That's a particular uh, favorite yeah, of his it, lately. It is something that he really loves. But the, the cool thing about this conference is we just tell the presenters, present whatever you would like and what you're that. interested in. So That's amazing. We have the title, but it could change if right. he gets interested later. And for people who don't know, because we always like to demystify the jargon here, uh, so ACT is Acceptance Commitment Therapy. Therapy. And we do talk about it a lot yep. here on the show. Um, and we've had a lot of people here talking about it. And it's something... I think the, the the parents who knew about it already were excited about it, but it, it's taken a little bit wh a while longer for more of the the BCBAs to get yeah. excited about it. But I think we're requesting that now. I think it's I think it's hit mainstream BCBAs now. I think it's getting it's it, very they've done exciting. a very nice job, and it's it's a way to really work on some high-level skills, social skills, yeah. and emotional regulation, stuff like that. So Jonathan and Adele and others have done a really nice job yeah. of uh, doing the research behind it, doing it in clinical practice, and really showing it to be uh, effective for individuals and, with autism. And honestly, for parents, you know, one of the biggest things that we talk about with parents is that we have anxiety, and sometimes our anxiety and our fear and, and the things that we have going on prevent us from being able to do what we need to do to have our child really engage yeah. fully in ABA. And this has found to be very effective. I myself have gone through this, and it really helped me to be able to understand, because, you know, I'm, I'm always concerned about my child's safety, yeah. but I want him to be independent. And sometimes those two values go like this yeah. and nothing happens. So there were things that my ABA team wanted to do where we would lengthen the apron strings. Right. And I was like, no, because the safety mom was freaking out saying, but what if, what if, what if? Yeah. But then the mom who wanted him to be independent was saying, shut up. Yep. And then I just short out. Yep. But acceptance commitment therapy within a very short period of time got me to be able to prioritize this when it needs to be and this when it needs to be so we got to progress yeah I, and i think jonathan is just an absolute leader Whew. of it and oh, and, and, that's, so good. and for me he's the best one that can explain it uh, yes. I've, I've seen many professionals talk about it and he's yeah. just He's the best at it, so. Well, he's so good about, about talking to parents. You know, one of his particular things is the jargon. Yep. He's like, you know, you, you have to be able to speak the two different languages. Right. When you're talking to professionals, you're using your jargon, but when you're talking to parents, you don't speak in that different language. Right. He's, he's always been on that bat, and, and we all love him for that. Yeah, he is. Because we can understand what he says, yeah. and he says great things. Yeah. So he's one of the people. He's just one. Another one, a uh, uh, big name in the field is Fred Volkmer, mm -hmm. who's out of Yale. Uh, he's a leading diagnostician, I would wow. say one of the leading diagnosticians in the world. And he's coming and talking about social behavior and, and how it relates to uh, individuals with autism. Okay. So it's very exciting to have him. And then someone I'm looking very forward to is Nick. Uh, Nick is an adult who's diagnosed with autism, who received behavioral intervention from Autism Partnership and is doing remarkably well yeah. in college now. Um, and he's just going to talk about his journey. And I felt it was kind of important. Over the last couple of years, we've had parents come and talk, mm -hmm. mothers, and last year we had a father talk about his kid. We want to have an individual with autism talk about their experience so that they can see that, you know, quality behavioral intervention can lead to really meaningful outcomes and quality life for, uh, yeah. for individuals with autism.
Yeah, I, I think it's so important. So often, um, you know, parents will come to us. In fact, our topic of the week this week is myths about mm -hmm. ABA because, listen, there's a lot of bad information out there, yes, right? Yes, there is. Um, and sometimes people hear that, that bad and wrong information and they have concerns, right? Which I think, let's, let's talk about all those things. Um, but one of the things they say is, well, if it's so great, and I hear all these parents of younger kids say it's so great and their child is learning, where are all the adults that had this 10 years ago, 15 years ago, where are they all? Yeah. And my thing is always, you know where they are? They're out leading their lives. That's they're working exactly their it. jobs. They're with their spouses. They're out with their friends. Yeah. And they don't want you to look at them like somebody under a glass, but they're out there having a life. They might be sitting at the desk next to you at work. You, you don't know. You don't know. Done. They're out there. But every once in a while, we have an individual who is brave and says, you know what? I want, I'm going to tell my story. Yeah. And you can look at me however you want because let's face it all them I'm I'm guilty of this as a mom I go like how is my child like you and how are you you know and we start looking at them through a different lens right I've seen it I've done it it's not pretty I've seen people do it to my son and he's like why are they doing that yeah the the dad who said to my son he was looking at him very closely and he said do you have friends and my son right because he had a little one yeah. who wasn't yet speaking and my son said Yes, do you? And he, he was like, is there, and my son was like, is there a reason why we're talking slow, right? right. Uh, you know, yeah, and he was like, mom, what was that about? And you know, it's like they get exhausted with right. it. But when an adult who, you know, says, look, I'm gonna prioritize this and say I'm gonna tell my story yeah. is speaking, we all need to be there and listening and supporting because that's a brave, yeah, I think it's I think it's a great thing him doing. I think yeah. hopefully it'll come off as inspiration. I remember hearing you talk last year and how uh, inspiring that was for me you. and my colleagues. I'm hoping it's the same kind of oh, thing for, it, for the audience I'll members and really keeping focus on like we're here for individuals with autism. Yeah. We're here for their families, and yeah. so really getting their perspective I think is really important for many Absolutely. behavior analysts. Today. Good for you for making that a priority yeah. on your on your platform. And other guests, anybody else that we want to, or do we want to move on to some of the other things? We Talk can, away. Yeah, uh, you know, I think all the guests are amazing. Uh, Bill Hewitt wrote, uh, sorry for the jargon, the white book, which is the, the <laughs> curriculum book that every behavioralist reads. And to, now there's a black book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's the, a white book and a black, black book. book, and I'm like, is this like uh, Beatles, Beatles albums? cover, yeah. It's a, what, what's happening? Yeah. What's a what? I don't even know what the white book it, is. It's just a, it's a textbook that is used for anyone who's getting their BCBA, Got reads it. it and practices and studies it. So he's one of the authors of it, okay. so he's really well known. Uh, Janet Twyman is really uh, wonderful and reading and, and reading instruction, so oh, she'll wow. be talking about that. So that uh, whole comprehension piece yeah. that everybody's always like, uh, yeah. She, she, yeah. She's amazing. Steve Wolf right. is, is going to talk about ethics. And Sarah Trotman is just uh, a fantastic speaker, uh, business owner, and is going to talk about her experience as well. So I'm, I'm very happy about this conference. I think it'll be That's really great. valuable to anyone. It's a one day, 8.30 to 4.30 on the 3rd of April. Yeah, it is. It's on that Friday. Yep. Um, the first Friday in April, and if people want to go to this, where do they need to go? Is there uh, there's you, an Eventbrite? There's an Eventbrite link. Uh, if you go Eventbrite and Google and put the search Autism Partnership Foundation, or go to our website AutismPartnershipFoundation.org. Okay. Um, and you can go under conferences and see it that way. Okay, Autism Partnership. 
Foundation. Foundation.org. Okay. Uh, the three words there. Wonderful. Yeah. And um, great to register now because it's less expensive if you do it now. Yep. Um, get in all about that. And, and the price, just so everyone knows, is for the, uh, the, the conference, lunch, and CEUs are all included in that one price. So... Okay, just paying and one so, so for parents who are watching who don't know what a CEU is, tell yep. them really briefly. CEU is a continuing education credit, so you need them if you're a BCBA, if you're a marriage family therapist, if you're a psychologist, you need continuing education to make yeah. sure that you're keeping up on things. Yeah. And so for parents, they probably don't need the CEU more likely, but for therapists, they probably do. I always like, though, being there at the talk where people are getting CEUs because I'm getting to see what they're getting. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially when it's somebody who's mindful of the fact that there are parents there yep. and talking in a way that we can all receive the information. Yeah. You know, you and I were at a conference and, and I kind of made fun of the fact that there were things that were said in some of the talks that I was like, what? I sat there the whole time going, what? And, and I, I would say to other people, did you understand that? And all the BCBAs were like, yes, no, I totally understood it. Well, and, and I felt left out. Yeah, well, uh, I think I was... Not at this conference. I think I was at your, in your boat at that time with some of the things being said that I felt left out. Oh, did you? Yeah, I was going to say, I understood I, everything you said. Yeah, I think Jonathan and I and, and how you present come from the same kind of yes. background. We want to make it clear to the audience members. So yes. I remember when you said that, I'm like, yep, that's exactly why we should not talk of that. Regardless yeah. of the conference. But um, this amazing conference, and these people are going to be talking and, in a way that everybody can understand. Yes. Uh, and, and Dr. Jonathan Tarbox is like the poster person for that. He, uh, he absolutely is. So, so I right? think, yeah, it would be an amazing experience. I hope people yes. come. There you go, on a Friday, the first Friday in April. Yeah. Uh, but since you're here, uh, I think we should take just a short, short break, Traven, and then come back. And uh, when we have an expert in the house, we want to talk about things. And one of the things that you said you wanted to talk about is progressive ABA, and I don't even know what that means. That's yeah. new jargon for me. I know, and I will break it down in All very right. simple terms. I'm counting on it. So let's take a short break, and then we'll be right back with more with Justin Leaf. <laughs> Dr. Justin Leaf. But Justin Stick with us. Right. Welcome back to Autism Live. We are here with Dr. Justin Leaf. Justin, yeah. as he prefers to be called, but I don't want to. I don't want to leave out that he is a doctor, and he is the co-director of research and director of training for Autism Partnership Foundation. And if we want to know more about Autism uh, Partnership Foundation, where would we go for that? Uh, I would go to our website, our, our newly launched and recreated uh, website, AutismPartnershipFoundation.org. Okay. And that will give you information of everything that we do there. And you guys do ABA? Yes, that is uh, correct. The highest quality ABA? I like to think so, yeah. yes. Um, and so we're so thrilled that you're here to talk about something that I don't, I don't know what, what it is you're referring to when you say progressive ABA. What does that mean? Yeah, so I think the experience that we've talked about in the past um, at conferences that we've mm -hmm. been to where we see certain... Uh, providers or behavior analysts, they're really implementing kind of a rigid protocol of intervention. Uh, one of my colleagues calls it the static protocol. So they have a, a data sheet in front of them and, they, and the therapist never varies from the data sheet. It. So it's kind of just programmed in. And for me and, and my colleagues, this is just not how we were taught to do behavioral intervention. Yeah. And so we uh, came up with the term progressive ABA because behavioral intervention should always be progressing. It should be always moving forward. And so the hallmark of what we do with this intervention is we use a lot of clinical judgment. We have uh, the therapist, whether that's a technician or a supervisor, 
they have a protocol in place, but they have the flexibility to change that protocol based upon the child, yeah. based upon the environment, based upon the needs of the environment. So they're not doing the same thing day in and day out. Yeah. They have actual flexibility. And so what they're doing is they're making what we call in the moment decision making, in the moment assessments. They're looking at what's going on with the child. Is he, is he calm or agitated? What's his uh, verbal behavior? What is he saying? What's his nonverbal behavior? Is he like frowning or happy? Uh, how's his performance? Uh, recent and past. Yeah. We look at things like his health, his emotional health, his physical health. Did he sleep the last night? Yeah. Is he constipated? And our therapists then make decisions of how to best provide an instruction yeah. or what to teach or, yeah. or how to prompt instead of just following a protocol. Yeah. So I think one thing we see in our field, unfortunately, is it's gone to such protocol driven yeah. and not moving from it. And that's not how we get best outcomes for yeah. our children. That's how not they're going to become indistinguishable or living their best lives. And so we wrote a paper uh, Applied behavior analysis is science and therefore progressive, really highlighting that we need to go back to our roots, yeah. back to what was occurring at UCLA Young Autism Project, and right. and really just work on clinical judgment. Yeah. And and we, then we've done a variety of studies across 10 years on it, showing that when you give therapists the power to make decisions and not follow protocol, that leads to better outcomes. Yeah. It gets better results. So, uh, progressive, I understand, is like a jargonish word, but it's really just quality teaching. It's yeah. good teaching. I was going to say, what you describe is what I always now call quality ABA, because, you know, when, when my son started ABA, I only knew ABA. Yep. And I just sort of assumed that everybody was getting what he was getting. Yeah. Like, why, like, I don't know, because I didn't know any different, right, right? until the first time that um, we met another kid at his school and the mom said, oh, you're getting ABA too. Come on over. We'll have a play date. And we went over and you're going to, you're just going to freak out when you hear this. We got there and the mom said, oh, we can't, we can't do this today. We can't, we can't have a play date because he just hit his therapist. So the session ended yeah, it's, uh, and they sent the, they sent the therapist home and yeah. I stood there and I was like, what? Yeah. You, you ended the session after, wait, first he hit the therapist and then you ended the session over it. And I began to realize that everybody did not have good ABA. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that's exactly right? it. Yeah. And originally, I think we were going to title it Quality ABA, but being researchers, journals don't, journals don't allow you to use those words. So. Well, and you know what's, what's interesting about it is, is that you're saying it's progressive, yeah. like it's something new, but you're hearkening back to the roots. Yeah. I, which is, you know. Yeah. My, my mentor, uh, Jim Sherman, who no one really knows who he is, he was part of the original crew in University of Washington where Evar was and all all the people who started the field of ABA. And he always said it combined the art and science, mm -hmm. that there was a science part to it and there's a technology, but that also that them as young behavior analysts back then in the 40s and 50s, they didn't know what they were doing. So they were, they were probing and testing and seeing what is, and they had a real art to it. I think, unfortunately, I've seen that lost a lot of places. Yeah. Your story, I, I, I have stories just like that where I go to right. places and it's just really heartbreaking because at the end of the day, Children just aren't making the outcomes that they're capable of making, 
if you're not providing quality teaching. And that really, I mean, you know, there was this division that happened and it was right around the same time that insurance mm -hmm. kicked in. And, you know, I say sometimes as a parent, we all fought so hard. And, and I remember thinking, we'll never get it in my lifetime, but can you imagine a time when insurance would pay for, a, you know, a 40-hour program for a kiddo and then suddenly we were there like that? Like it just happened so quickly and now, a lot of times parents don't understand because they didn't have to fight for it. Right. They don't know what they have. They come in and, you know, they get, they're given a list of ABA providers and yeah. they go, just pick one, and they don't know. But parents ask all the time, how do you know a good quality ABA? So how would you know a progressive ABA program versus one that isn't? What are the hallmarks? Well, I think for one, I think you want to look at how long staff have been trained for. Mm -hmm. And so what I, we've seen is a devaluation in training. So if, if a staff has been trained for 40 hours and that was just an all online yeah. training, that, that's a indication like this is right. not what we're talking about yeah. it takes time to develop yes i think asking them asking the supervisor the owner of the company uh what are the uh, is there protocols and do staff have they have flexibility to change the protocols mm -hmm. and they say yes you have some flexibility yes they have flexibility yeah. that's a good indicator i think if they say no they have to follow the protocol to a t yeah that's an indicator that it's not really progressive yeah. I think it's also uh, what they're working on. And so I think, unfortunately, I, I don't know if you've come across this. I, I know in talks that you and I've been hearing, we've come across it. But in clinical practice, there's things like we're teaching children birds, like different types of birds. They're not into birds. They're, it's nothing like uh, interest of it, but like birds from different countries and like state Why? birds. And why? Who's teaching that? Uh, why? I've, I've seen this program after program. Really? Uh, one of my early experiences wasn't birds. I went in. I was a young supervisor in Kansas. Went in, and they were teaching Marine Man versus Army Man versus Air uh, Air Pilot, who was Tom Cruise from Top Gun. And my first question was, "Is someone in the military or armed services?" And they said, "No, this is just how we're teaching." How is this relevant? That that's that's my that's why we're calling it progressive ABA. So that would be an indication uh, of yes. not progressive. Yeah. Progressive is going to work on, the, uh, on social behavior. Right. Progressive is going to work on what we call learning how to learn skills, yeah. which are like waiting, sitting, attending. Progressive is going to work on meaningful communication. Yeah. Progressive is going to work on, on self-help skills and life skills. Yeah. If you see that, you, you, it's a good indication that you're yes. doing progressive. When you see targets that make no sense, Yes. Uh, Diet of the octopus isn't one that I've that I've seen in schools. Uh, it's what just, on earth? It's to me that's what we call conventional ABA, and what we see out I there. I call that crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you well, you could say it better than I can. I, I mean, why on earth? Uh, which leads to the next thing that we wanted to talk about, which is meaningful outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I think last year when I came here, we were, we I was also talking about our conference, and we had a father come. Uh, Dara, who has two twin twin uh, boys, both diagnosed with autism, and just listening to his talk, it just reminds you of why you're in my field, why you're, we're here. Yeah. And it's just like, we're here to improve the lives of children or adolescents or adults. We're yeah. here to improve the lives of families. And so we always have to go towards meaningful outcomes. And to me, meaningful outcomes means, as we talked earlier about having friends, and, and relationships, um, doing things that you like to do, uh, doing, you know, having fun activities, having hobbies, having interests. And gainful employment. Employment. 
uh, language development, whatever the child or adolescent is capable of, yeah. of, of saying. And so for me, it's always looking at what's meaningful, what's meaningful yeah. for that child and what's meaningful for the family and, and really pushing the standards of what's meaningful. I think, you know, you've been fortunate uh, to be a card where you've seen quality outcomes. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate in my career, but there's a lot of people uh, that when I travel nationally and internationally where they take little little behaviors that are learned and think it's this gigantic like mm -hmm. accomplishment, which it is a good accomplishment, but we can do better. Yes. And we can make more meaningful outcomes. Yeah. So for example, you know, when when one of them was like going to a grocery store and their whole goal for years was just that they could walk through the grocery store where for me it's like I think if we provide that quality intervention, that yeah. progressive intervention, they can, you know, swipe the card and pay and, and carry yeah. the bags out. Yeah. Like that would be a step better. So for me it's just we have to stop looking at these smaller kind of behaviors. The yeah. birds is an example. And look at what's meaningful. Friend and for me it's all about social skills yeah. and friendship skills. And you know, as a as a parent of a five-year-old and a three-year-old, I mean, that's all I care for my kids. I yeah. mean, I, that's when I come home, it's like, who are you playing with at school? Yeah. And who do you want to have a play date with yeah. on the weekend? Yeah. That's what's important for me. So I really am really trying to sp spread the message around of look at bigger outcomes, yeah. look at things that are going to improve their quality of the life. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I know that you and I have talked about this, that the parents, you got to be involved. You got to be asking questions. You have to be involved. You have to be helping. You don't. I used to say that it's a little bit parenting by committee because now all of a sudden, where it might have been you or you and your spouse, now you got all these other people on your team, right? Yeah. And sometimes that can be dicey. Absolutely. But if they're really good people and they're listening yeah. to you, then you arrive at consensus together and you're doing that the things that lead to the meaningful outcomes. Yeah. I remember being asked questions about, you know, what's important to you, this or this, um, even to the smallest, you know, yeah. smallest little infinite, like being asked, you know, if when you're when your son is learning labels uh, for genders, do you want us to teach lady and man or woman right. and man? And we're going to teach all of them eventually, but what's most important to you first? And I appreciated that uh, because, I, you know, I'm different than the person down the street yeah. and our family works a little bit differently. So making sure that it's, but more importantly, that was meaningful to me, but more importantly, that it was meaningful to him. Yeah. I, That's the piece. Well, I think they go hand in hand. Yeah. And, and it's just so important. And I, I see young behavior analysts all the time. Yeah. And I try to coach them and, and train. And there's times where they're like, well, the problem's only with the child. I'm only going to focus on the child. I'm not going to focus on the family. Oh. It's like, how do you not focus on the family? How do yes. you not help the family here? What's up with that? I, you know, what's sad to me is that now we have more and more universities that are churning out BCBAs. And on the good side, we have some amazing people that are now in the classroom, people like yeah. Dr. Jonathan Tarbox, people like Adele Nadowski yeah. that are teaching yep. the next generation. I think we're going to see a tipping point, but it seems like that for a lot of, I don't know who is teaching the, these individuals yeah. that they don't think that they're not looking at the whole family, not looking at the whole child. Yeah, it's it's also why I got into academia now and teach You're masters. teaching now? Masters and graduate and PhD students because I want to train this. And yes. That's, that's Thank That's, goodness. Well, we need more people like you guys in the classroom. Well, my, my hope with, with Jonathan and Adele and Mary Jane Weiss and myself training at graduate students that they go and then they start teaching exactly. others. And so it starts to Each one teach replicate. one, right? Yeah, yeah. So where are you teaching? Endicott. Uh, oh, Endicott College, uh, which is online. You can take it online and get your yes. master's and, and PhD. 
What a, I was just there last April. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You were at the conference. Uh, what a beautiful, beautiful campus that is and a beautiful, beautiful facility that they have. We had such a good time there. Yeah. I heard, really... I heard you did amazing from all my students told me. Well, it was so much fun. I had such a good time. And, yeah. and we thoroughly enjoyed just being in the Boston area because it was, it was amazing. And, of course, I'm a big fan of Mike Dorsey, who was yeah. uh, at that program for a really long time yes. and has since retired. But um, I was so excited. I didn't know he'd retired. And I got yeah. there, and I was like, where's Mike? I want to I yeah, he... see Mike. He had invited me to come to Endicott for so many years, and it wasn't right for us. Yeah. And then he had just retired. Yeah, he, just, just he, just, he just recently retired. But see, they're replacing him with people like you and well, that's a fabulous thing too well, so and uh, plug for endicott college yeah. because uh love 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 them uh and you can also get your master's degree in autism there i don't know of any other place that you can no, get that and, and, mary, and mary jane weiss who's the director is oh, just she's am amazing amazing, amazing so it's a great place to go well so again you're having an event on april 4th and that's a friday april 3rd april 4th i think it's april 3rd it's april 3rd we don't we gotta get this friday. right so it's the autism partnership foundation fit annual conference it's april 3rd don't go on the 4th it's on the 3rd although i will tell you if your parents and you're coming to the area or close to the area here's what you should do and i said this last year too you should go to this conference on the 3rd and then stick around and then the next day you go to the fullerton cares mardi gras for autism yep. and then if you have time on the sunday you go to disneyland that sounds like uh, a good weekend. right it's the weekend it's it's the perfect time to do that so starting though with being with them on friday amazing speakers and including, you know, one of my favorite people, Dr. Jonathan Tarbox. Um, and so you need to register for this. Yep. Um, and there is a cost, but the earlier you register, the lower it is. So get right on that. Autism partnershipfoundation.org yes ma'am go there or you can search on Eventbrite but get your tickets for that go and see that but while you're there at autismpartnershipfoundation.org tootle around see what see everything that they have going on there um, because it's an amazing place yeah. the research and the training please look at everything we do Thank you so much for being with Thank us. Thank you for having me again. It was right. a pleasure. Well, I'm thrilled to have you back here. That's all the time that we have for today, but I am supposed to see, I do this every time, Justin, where I'm supposed to read off all the people that are on this week. Um, but I have no idea what I've done with that paper. It's this one. Okay. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. You know what's happening tomorrow? Tomorrow is the best of Kobe Bird. We're going to feature a bunch of times that Kobe Bird has been on the show. It, for those of you who don't know, Kobe Bird is the young actor. First, he was on Speechless. Uh, this is a young man who's on the spectrum. First, he was on Speechless. Then he was the first actor with autism on The Good Doctor. And now he has a recurring role on Lock and Key, that new hit show on Netflix. We've had Kobe on the show many times. You will love, 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 love. He's somebody you should have come and speak at some point. I saw him do a keynote um, in November, 800 people and everybody on their feet screaming. He's amazing. So, uh, and then on Wednesday, we are going to have Ask Evelyn Kung. She's going to be here with us answering your questions. On Thursday, Danny Bowman is here with us with Kevin Howard and Dr. Deal. Danny Bowman, a very talented artist on the autism spectrum, teaches animation to individuals on the spectrum. And then on Friday, we have Karen Nolte uh, from Card Research and Development talking about recent research and license marriage and family therapist Vince Redmond. That's our, our the rest of our week. We'll be back tomorrow with uh, the best of Kobe Bird. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.